The greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its leaders, members, and contributors. Every week, your host, CEO of Two Small Men with Big Hearts, Stu Starkey, shines the light on a community to raise awareness of their leaders, members, and contributors. So together, we can create positive impact, inspire change, and help those in need of assistance at a grassroots level. Welcome to the community of Big Hearts. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the community of Big Hearts. Uh, this week, we're here with Arlene Last-Kolb. Um, I just got to meet Arlene just a few minutes ago, and I feel like I've known her for a long time. Right. And I think my dogs feel like they've known you for even longer. <laughs> um, how are you, Arlene? I'm pretty good today. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Arlene is from uh, Overdose Awareness Manitoba. That's right. And you started this organization when? Well, I co-founded it, yes, um, probably about a year ago. Um, I'd always been doing some type of advocacy work or um, supports for families and loved ones. Um, but I, I met a young girl who, who lost her partner, and we decided to form a, a group just to be a little bit more formal. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so Community Big Hearts, we, we're really interested in... Um, figuring out how we can give back to the community and helping others find their way to give back because we believe that it's not just about helping the community it actually helps themselves. So yes. I know a little bit about your story and I actually don't know where our conversation is going to go today because there's so many paths it can. Yes. Um, I think you had told me that you started um, advocating and getting more involved when you're about 40. Right? Yeah, so basically um, uh, in 2014, we lost our son Jesse to a fentanyl poisoning. Um, he went out one night um, and he didn't come back home to his home. Um, we later found out that he, again, we only know what we were told, right? We were never there, but we were told that he overdosed and instead of calling for help, they cleaned house and got rid of the drugs and the phones, and they called from the neighbor. My son was only just a couple of blocks from the Grace Hospital, so they didn't call for over half an hour. So there was no uh, way to give him the antidote, naloxone. So from that, from our grief, from what he passed away from, we realized that we had to warn our community because it was fentanyl. So we knew that if our son had died from fentanyl, that others would die too because of the potency and the dangers of the drug. Um, I also worked on uh, Good Samaritan Law, uh, making sure that people knew about it, that our police um, endorsed it, which they did. Good Samaritan Law allows people to call for help without having to clean house, without Mm. having to worry about charges and stuff like that, right? So those are pretty important things that everybody should know, especially young teenagers, people that go to parties, um, they, you know, young people need to know, don't be afraid, make that phone call even better, get an naloxone kit and have it on there. And then you can save somebody's life. So through, through different things, that is when we started to talk and to advocate and to ask for different things from our government. Uh, first, I, I want to ask you, um, cause I don't have any words like to, you know, I want to say I'm sorry, and I don't know if that's going to help. Um, mm-hmm. It's been some time, and you've you've grieved, you've gone through the process. It, what is 
something after hearing something like that, someone can say to help support you to help support the person that's grieving. I think that it changes all the time. I, th- I think that, um, just saying that you're sorry helps. It doesn't mean you understand. It doesn't mean you're going to get it. It just means you're literally sorry. A terrible thing has happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you start to imagine, right? So that's a good thing. Um, I think that it's also at the very beginning, it's very hard to sort people, to support people with this type of loss. It's just, um, I, I don't know how to say. Um, I know that after we lost our son, we just wanted to shut ourselves away. We didn't want people just showing up at our door. Um, we wanted to be left alone. I, I, I did grieve the first year. I wore my black. I painted my house black. Hmm. I, I closed down. I did a lot of the things that when I grew up, I was sort of, I thought that that would be the way to grieve. You know, you, you just, you lose a child, you just don't go on. But it's very hard because I did try to go on. I did try to pretend that you're in just such shock. So I think for other people, just to say you're sorry, just to say if you need anything, maybe not to forget. I think another good thing is to put in your phone when that person lost their child or when their birthday is and just acknowledge it. Mm. Um, that, that leaves very quickly. And so sometimes you don't want anything more from anybody. You just want to go, oh, thinking, you know, on your son's passing, oh, I'm thinking of you. That kind of thing. I will say. Yeah. Thank you. And and not to just not to forget. Right. Yeah. And to know that that it's never going to be the same for them. I will never be the same person, and I will never experience joy like I did. But I value joy a lot more now. Right. Mm-hmm. That's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about. Uh, the, the couple initiatives that you just uh, mentioned prior mm-hmm. to this. The Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also sounds like, well, this came from a problem. You saw a problem in your community. You felt it more intensely than, than anyone can understand. And yes. then you did something about it. Yes. Yes. Because it was simple to do. Hmm. Okay? It's just simple to do. A lot of, like, it was always out there. It's just people didn't know about it. Just like Naloxone and Narcan, people didn't know about it. When my son passed away, the only ones that were using um, um, Narcan, which is this, is the nasal, Naloxone is the injectable, mm-hmm. so were, the, um, were our paramedics. So not only did I try to get it out there for people, but I got the RCMP to start using it and the police. You said it was simple. Um, I'm not sure you're giving yourself enough credit because no one had done it before. And also in exploring conversations with people um, about giving back in the community, I think everyone wants to do it in some way. They'd Mm -hmm. love to be a support to others. 
but not everyone is acting on it and you did and that's that's really mm -hmm. amazing and i'd like to explore that a little bit so um wh what did you do how did you do it um i think that we were um we we were um somebody came to us in the media and asked us to do a story and i think that that probably must have been the turning point because some people would have said no and even in our grief we just felt that we had to say something i think it had a lot to do with our son and how important he was to us i think that that had a lot to do with it too Right. Um, also to show people that it can happen to anybody, right? I think that sometimes we identify certain things with certain demographics and stuff. So it was important also because of the subject to talk about it, right? To, to talk about, um, because stigma is uh, keeping um, people from getting help and just living a life. So I just started learning. I just went out there and I started studying. I joined a group called Mom Stop the Harm, a national group of moms. Um, that was an amazing group to me. They gave me a lot of information. They told me things about what was going on across Canada. And then I could figure out what we needed in Manitoba, what did I need to focus on. And then by gathering, meeting other families, hearing their stories, and getting them to support and to speak and talk out um, started the change. And then our group started to grow and stuff like that. So um, maybe it's a personality. Maybe that's it. I mean, it's always been something I've kind of have done. Oh, yeah? Okay. yeah, when my son was in school, um, <clears throat> like I said, he, he, he was born, he had a hard time speaking, he couldn't speak, so he did sign language. So... We had to get an aid for him to go to school. And then I heard about a program called the Alternative Program where parents could be involved and kids went one to three. So I worked really hard to get that into the school for my son and for other children. Hmm. So um, the fact is, is if there is a need for something and enough people want it and the space and everything is available, it can be done. It just really does take one person to start something. Like you? Yeah, and me hmm. and other lots of other people. There's lots of other people I've met. Um, we, you know. um, I, I didn't tell you this earlier, but, um, quite recently, um, so, um, I run a business, um, mm -hmm. and we have, um, about 150 employees and there's some turnover on, on yeah. that, uh, amount. So we've seen a lot of movers over the last, uh, 10, okay. 15 years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, recently we had a young, uh, young fella, he was about 22 mm -hmm. he moved to vancouver and he started working for us everyone loved him mm -hmm. he was amazing he lit up everyone's day mm -hmm. um he always wanted more work customers loved him the guys on our yeah. team loved him and uh our dispatch manager who's kind of the mom of mm -hmm. of all the, the boys um uh, loved him and he overdosed from fentanyl just a couple months ago. And that's really impacted our team and brought this problem much more to light because they, they didn't know uh, about it, yeah. um, at, you know, as they do now. No. And, and we, we hired um, somebody to come in and, and 
work with our team that was close with them mm -hmm. to manage that grief because like mm -hmm. they were we're a family like we yeah. we sure. work we, yeah. we work so much together and work yeah. so hard mm -hmm. together that this um, rippled and uh yeah. yeah, well, a lot of the families I know, their children were all working. They all had jobs. I mean, my son was working. Just met his dad that day, you know, got paid. Mm. I mean, he worked for us, right? Mm -hmm. um, he was, you know, I get, hoping we would take over our business someday. He just lived a few blocks away from us. Um, mm. So, yeah, he, he had a house, had a girlfriend, he had two cats been living on his own since 17 he got his own house at 19 on his own um yeah um some of the families i've met um their children just took one pill um some thought they were taking something else and it wasn't i mean there's hundreds and hundreds of stories mm -hmm. and each one of them is a story so part of what i do is not only do i look for others like myself to help myself but to learn and to to see the injustice of what is going on and how people that use drugs are treated and how those that die from drugs are treated so i know you're um you're advocating uh, uh, quite a bit um in the community and making a difference. Yeah. Um, what can be done? There's lots that can be done. I think that, 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 that what we have to remember is that I started advocating probably at least five years ago. So the, the things that we asked for as a group back then when we met with government is exactly the same thing we're asking for now. So what I have to do is I have to be that person that challenges the government and says they're not doing enough. Um, I'm the one that has to challenge them and say, why aren't you meeting with us? So we did a 5,000 signature. This is signed petition asking for medically assisted detox, long-term treatment, and ongoing supports like living. Um, we've asked for naloxin to be unscheduled, okay, to make it easier for people to get it. Should just be on the shelf. There should be no limitations to an antidote that saves somebody from an overdose. So I have to completely repeat over and over again that our government is not doing anything. And what I have learned is that I am sad to say that it really comes down to our premier. Okay, he has stated before that he believes that addiction is a moral failing and that it is more to do with family. So what I say as a premier is you don't get that luxury to bring your um, personal feelings or how you feel or how you've been brought up to, to respond to people um, to these decisions, to how we run our province. We are no closer to getting any help than we were before. If you had a child right now that asked you in the middle of the night for help, there is no help. You can't even get the antidote to save their lives. So when people go for an overdose be at a hospital, they've been presented with an overdose, probably within four hours to last, they are let go. So those people have just overdosed. 
They have been let go from the hospital without the antidote to save their lives. So um, it is our fire and paramedics that let us know what the state of our province, what is going on, what is killing people. Okay, that should be our government job. So if you lose a child to a suspected overdose, you will wait almost eight months for your autopsy. If you lose somebody to something else, you will not wait that long. <laughs> so how can you wait eight months to warn your community of what drugs are out there? So that is what our paramedics do. They tell us what are the street drugs out there that are killing people, okay? So they tell us that they've had to increase the use of naloxone by three times, the life-saving antidote. It's, it's, um, and I know from services that it is just crazy right now for overdoses. Our government turns around and goes, well, we've doubled naloxone. And everybody goes, oh, the government's doing something. No. How can you say that our overdoses have tripled and now you're telling us naloxone's doubled? Naloxone needs to be quadrupled. Okay, so it's not enough. How can, um, help, help me understand because I'm, I'm still mm-hmm. ignorant in this area. So the, the hospital will release yes. um, somebody with yes. an overdose. Yes. And it, I assume because they're being released, they're now functioning. Um, no, and- it just means that they have been given the antidote for the overdose that they just experienced. They have been given nothing else. They might have been given a Valium and a taxi ticket. <laughs> I have two families that lost their sons after being released from a hospital and went back to treatment they both died in treatment from overdoses i have many families that have lost their child including my own partners whatever within a year of being in a hospital after experiencing an overdose so what happens is everybody doesn't want to take responsibility so the police uh, so sorry the emergency will say our job is to just fix you that's it. Well, it can't be that way. Yeah. It cannot be that way. When somebody leaves the hospital, they're extremely um, um, uh, addictive. They've just been given a lot of medications, right, to reverse that. Now they're going to go into a deep dive of detox, and they're going to have to find something. So we know these things, but we don't change them. So um, what what you're proposing is that the antidote is given to the patients that were released so that if this happens again, they can treat themselves. You cannot use the antidote on yourself, okay? So somebody has to be with you. And here's another thing, too, that people don't realize, that most people die in their home alone Hmm. because they are using alone. So when the government, when I say the government can do more, it could do more by letting people know better information. Good Samaritan law, uh, naloxone being unscheduled, you know, um, family support, treatment right away, automatic. Okay, a lot of the things that we have are very short term, 30 days, this and that. The new thing that they're talking about, the health science, well, they've added eight nurses and eight security guards, okay? We don't believe that security justice should have anything to do with addiction or law Um, what we do need is we need mobile units we need mobile units to go out and to help people that are in distress so if you have a child in the middle of the night that's having a difficult time do you want to call the police 
No, you would sooner call somebody that has experience with what you're dealing with that will help you with supports and all that. But there is no help. And I will say that over and over again. As you should. There is no help. There is no no long-term treatment. And another thing, too, is what if people don't want to quit doing drugs? What if they want to do drugs? Is it not our responsibility to make sure that people are safe? The biggest problem we have is dirty, tainted drugs. So for me, a lot of this is just simply common sense. If you have an increase in overdoses, then you make the antidote free and available. You start to educate people and families and loved ones. And you have treatment available when people want it. And you make it a medically assisted detox. One of the hardest things to do is to detox on your own. It's dangerous. And what happens is people do that and then they can't get into treatment and they wait another month. So they they relapse all the time. It it strikes me that the the best time to intervene, give options, help would be in the hospital. Yes. When someone's yes. Re- yes. recovering yes. from an overdose. Of course, and, and ask them if they want to start treatment. Mm. So, for example... We, Does that happen? No. No. So, the the treatments that they could be started on would be either uh, methadone, but I prefer subloxone, and mm-hmm. subloxone is a blocker. Okay? So, what would, would have been helpful for a lot of people is when their loved one overdosed, and they were at least some of those dirty drugs out of their system would just start them on subloxone and block those 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 needs those um you know the need to have to go out and use again and that would be a treatment Mm. that you could start right there if you leave it too late it is a harder treatment to get somebody to want to do right you know so yes it totally makes sense there's lots of many different things we can do education is so important we need to start with educating we need to educate our children and we need to talk about um drugs right mm-hmm. i remember when i was a kid i um uh i think i was probably like grade four or five and we had the whole elementary school mm-hmm. in the, the gymnasium and a police officer got on stage and he started talking about the use of a drug I, it may have been cocaine at that point yeah. and and he mentioned that uh first time users of, of cocaine um they they can uh, die um, mm. for the first time your heart can stop and he, and i can't remember the percentage but like i from what i remember he said a quarter now mm. that you know doesn't maybe make sense but that rang it still echoes with me now um and i have um you know had opportunities to try drugs and chose not to because of that education Uh, i i I think too nowadays that younger people um respond best to peers and to people that have actually had something happen to them. We do have a police officer that was doing amazing education before he lost his own son. Uh, one pill. Okay? And he has chosen to go on and to educate. But with COVID and everything happening, things have changed, right? But he believes strongly in education. Um, in, in starting to help people with um, life's difficulties, earlier 
and 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 to understand them in a better way right mm. and then maybe different choices will be made at different times the um i want to pivot just a little bit here um how we met was mm-hmm. through producer Ryan. Yes. And I think he was sitting in a coffee shop and saw your yes, beautiful we park had a garden. Yeah. Your your garden yes. that you were able to start. I um, yeah. would love to hear more about that and have our yeah. listeners understand what you're doing there. So so um, the garden came out of the um, well for me garden is therapy. Um, so my daughter is superintendent with the city for the gardens down there. So I'd often been, you know, down there. And I thought about us having a garden. So what's important to me is not only advocacy work and change, but the families and loved ones that have lost someone, that they have somewhere to go, um, to not feel alone. So the garden was given to us by the mayor um, <laughs> with, with Janine, who works with him, who I've gotten to know. Um, and... It started with that, and it just organically grew into now people placing rocks as memories of their loved ones in the garden and um, mementos and signs. And we often hear that many people go to our garden and sit and cry, and and um, it's 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 a peaceful place. We're very fortunate to have a path through it with a, a bench that a family donated their son Nicholas. Had been uh, had been homeless for a while and had slept on benches, so that was important to them. Hmm. So we have that, and uh, we have bird feeders, and and um, I've met some amazing people there, and it's just a place to come and just to be, and to know that you're not alone. And when you see all the rocks, you know that your child, your loved one's not alone either. Right. So it's a powerful place for people to be. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Ryan had me read a book uh, called Lost Connections, which I understand yeah. you're just starting to read. Yes. And one of the th- like, the big um, overarching theme in the book is that community um, is so powerful and can help it's treat a lot of mental mm-hmm. um, health issues. Yes. Um, but also um, one of the next most powerful tools in our, our toolkit is gardening. Yes. Uh, which like that one astounded me and it like it makes sense when Mm. you you're working with the earth you always I always ended up feeling really good after well it's it's quite an accomplishment and it really does sort of teach you about life right Mm. and about the process of life and and some doesn't come back and some do come back and um I just find that it's just good for me to just be in the garden and around the plants. And I think that it's way beyond that for me. I really truly feel like I am with a lot of people in the garden. Mm. Um, I often say that I'm surrounded by angels <laughs> because they're definitely everywhere uh, with me. And they help me to get people to understand that that who they, they are and who they were mm. and their families and stuff like that. So... Um, Yes, the garden has become a very important place. Yeah, I, I, I just want to make sure or give you accolades for doing that because you're not just creating garden for yourself. No. You're doing this, you're making it a place for others and impacting yeah. people in, in a big positive way. So thank you. 
Well, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. And it also to bring awareness, right? Because what I do is I meet lots of people and I can express to them about what, what, um, drug harms can do and, and what it, what people look like that use drugs or what people look like that have lost their lives from drugs or what people look like that didn't get the help when they needed it. And it puts a face to it. And what I, what I call is, I call people out that can do more. That it is not enough for me to share my story and you to just go home and feel bad for me. It is your job to do your job. So I, I want more from people. I put, I put a lot out of myself and a lot of other families have and I've shared a lot of tough stories and I don't believe that it is right for our number one killer in our province and an average of 182 people dying a year or thousands and thousands of overdoses and we are not talking about it. I feel that it is not right. I feel that my son deserved a lot more. He was a good person. He worked, he paid his taxes, he did everything just like I did. I deserve I deserve better. I deserve for my son to be treated like it is any health disease. Right? You uh you beat me to it. Um and I love that you're asking more of others. You're yes. doing a great thing and you can leverage your giving by asking and yes. you're leading by example. So um, I was going to ask you what we can do. Do you need volunteers? Do you need money? How can the listeners help? How can, how can I help? How can my company help? Well, this is for me never about money. Um, for myself, I don't, I don't do fundraising. I don't believe that I should have to fundraise for what I want. I don't disagree with it. I do know that we do take some donations because we do a lot of things like kindness bags. We put on different events. I mean, we just put on a big event with, you know, 40 crosses and, you know, things like that. But I have to tell you that we do put in our own money. Um, I do once in a while get the privilege of having an opinion piece written and I get paid for that. Mm -hmm. So that money goes directly back into our group and the idea is to get people talking more than anything to just to get to know who we are and what we do and that we can't always believe what we're told right that you have to fact check things that you cannot believe what is out there in the media all the time the media will run sometimes what they want so we always have to remember to go back to our points and our points are is that we do not have naloxone unscheduled we do not have a medically assisted detox we do not have a continuum of care we do not have homes if you are somebody that is using drugs you cannot get housing Hmm. does that make sense people who drink alcohol get housing so We have to remember that not all people want to quit doing drugs. They want a safe drug. If 
our people are dying of poisonous drugs. Would it not make sense to supply them with a clean drug? Would that not make sense? Would you not have a little less worry about what your child might take one day? Because there is no guarantee ever that your child will not do something that they shouldn't. And even if they've been told a hundred times. So for us, education is important, but it's also important for people to not stigmatize people. And to not always think that it's always in one place. People overdose in this neighborhood all the time. They overdose all over our province. And what's hard for some people is that the only help we're offered is Main Street. Now, I'm not going to take my child to Main Street. Why would I take my child downtown? I have a story of a family that had to take their son to Main Street. There was nowhere else to take him. They, it just about killed them. But he was desperate. And they took him there. And within probably three days, he was gone with Mm. his dealer. And you can buy drugs anywhere just outside the streets, right? Mm. So we, we, we want treatment to be treatment like it would be for any other disease, and heart disease and stuff like that, right? We don't stigmatize people with with diabetes or heart disease, do we? Right. Yeah. And we don't stop giving them care and help just because they don't stop taking care of themselves. Well, I can can certainly pledge to do our part. Um, We have a few thousand people that listen and follow us. Yeah. And we'll be making sure the conversation happens. Yeah, right. and get your training, you know, get your get your staff, talk about naloxone, talk mm. about it, talk about that people do do drugs, and um, and they come to work. People do drugs every day and go to work, right? Um, I, I just, I, I feel that we focus on other things, we focus on police, we focus on, oh, this political party, that political party, but the fact is... It is our premier that runs our province. It is him that makes the directions of money being spent and what will be done. And I am here to tell as clearly as I possibly can that he is not helping us. And that trickles down to the rest. We have a health minister that has not met with services like street connections and harm reductions. But he talks about expertise. Well, he only takes his expertise from regional health, his own workers. Mm. But he has never met with me. He has never met with families. He has no idea what it's like to have a child and not to have any help. He has no idea what it's like to not be able to find an antidote and save your your child's life. Or the fellow that couldn't save his girlfriend because he didn't have enough antidote. My co-founder, her boyfriend was overdosing beside her all night, and she did not recognize the signs of an overdose. She did not know about naloxone. If she had known about it, if our government had told people, had made everybody aware of it, she would have saved his life. So that is a perfect example of we lost somebody because our government is not doing enough. We will help spread um that word and and educate yeah we would also like to because of our 
personal connection recently to uh, the particular type of overdose that you're talking about. We would like, Two Small Men would like to make a donation Mm -hmm. to your cause to help further this. It's not something that we usually do. Um, We're not big advocates of of, um, donating funds when you have an ability to give a service where you're leveraging, you're giving more. But in this case, because it's fresh and it really needs um, to be heard, we'd like to donate some of our resources in honor of our young fellow out in Vancouver. Um, And um, yeah, can you use volunteers? Well, you know, volunteers to, to me are people that advocate for us, that talk about us that talk about our organization, that talk about the government, that ask their MLA leaders, what are you doing? How do you feel about decriminalization of personal use? How do you feel about safer supply? How do you feel about naloxone? We need to get these people to be accountable, to answer the questions. One of the hardest things that we have and that I have coming to terms with things is asking questions and not getting answers. I just don't really get how a petition of 5,000 can be given to our premier and nothing be done with it. Um, I feel that, I feel ashamed of, of our democracy in that. The day of the ledge that we gave that, you have students and you have people from other walks of life watching what is going on and that's what they see. So is that what we teach our children? Is that what your daughter would have learned that day? That a petition of 5,000 signatures desperately asking for help to save people's lives was just basically thrown to the floor and there was no meeting and there was nothing done. And they continually say that we're spending money, but they're not spending enough and they're not spending all the money that they've been given from the federal government. And another thing they don't do is they don't let us know what's going on federally. They don't let us know when there's civil suits going on in other provinces. They don't let us know that, um, you know, that Patty, our our federal health minister, um, is supporting safe supply and asking provinces to, to do something. They don't let us know about the information. So for me, I have I can't stop. I have to continue to let people know that you're not hearing the truth and that this is not just people living in the core area. This mm. is this is your child. This is and and your premier is not listening and he feels that it is a moral problem. Yeah, no matter uh no matter which side you you're sitting on it's in not terms political. of it, it's not political. It is not and, political. And and I think everyone, no matter where they they mm-hmm. take on this issue, can get behind you and your passion for this cause and yeah. bringing attention to this issue. So I really yeah. want to thank you for bringing your passion here today. Yeah. Um, I want to. I'm going to ask you my uh, my finishing question um in one second but i want to ask ryan i know you found arlene and have a connection <laughs> with her do you have any questions for arlene before we we ask her our last question we, no yeah. you know it's, it's arlene like when i first met you there and we've talked a couple times since then yeah 
your ability to connect with people and to heal uh, with people at that garden has been incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, all I'll say is, it's not a question, but a comment and just a thank you. Thank you oh, for, for doing that. And I know you don't need thank yous because it's, it's something that you're doing out of love, but it's these small acts, seemingly small acts that contribute in a great way to the community. And you give people hope, you give mm. people the ability to connect with others, and you give mm. people the ability to heal. And that, to us here at the Community of Big Hearts, is a leader in our minds. Oh, so thank right, you for thank doing you. what you do. Thank you very much. Well said, buddy. Yeah. And again, remember that healing is for me too, right? Of course. Healing is always a shared thing. Of course. Yes. An important thing. <laughs> my, my last question, I want to end this on a positive note, in that... Uh, I want to know what's the kindest thing anyone has done for you through this journey? I guess was was maybe telling me that I could do more, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, kindness comes from knowing my families and who they are and who their children were. You know, they certainly didn't die from lack of love. Um it gives me hope. I think that when I lost my son, I thought that nobody loved their son as much as we did and that nobody could feel the pain like me. Mm. And I realized that there's many people that feel that way. That gives me comfort. So right. in a way, that's showing me kindness, I guess. Um, I don't know. Kindness is meeting people, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, well, yeah. Thank you for that. And, and I feel... Uh, yeah. The kindness from, from meeting you and getting to know your cause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Community of Big Hearts with Stu Starkey. If you know someone in your community who is a leader doing great things and driving change, a contributor who is on a passionate mission to help their community through a nonprofit or a foundation, or a community member just doing their part to make their community a better place, please send Stu an email and let him know and Maybe they can be featured on a future episode of the Community of Big Hearts. You can email Stu at stu at twosmallmen.com. Again, that's stu at twosmallmen.com. Thank you again for listening.